Well, um, I, I'm, the last few weeks have been a challenge for me. I operate the best as a, as a preacher, teacher, when I'm in the middle of a series. So when Sunday ends, I know exactly where I'm going um, the next week, and I begin the process on Monday morning of studying and preparing. And God works in that way, and in their times that God leads me away from the series for a particular message or what have you. Where I struggle sometimes is when I'm not in the middle of a series, and these last few weeks have, have been that way for me. Um, and so I, I battled on what to preach and teach on this morning, and, um, and something happened yesterday that really, really um, got, got me focused on something. Um, and it's coupled with something else that happened. Uh, I don't know who in here remembers uh, Paul and Jeannie Malfras. Paul Malfras. He used to sit about where Billy Jones and them sit right now. And uh, 15 years ago, I performed the wedding for, uh, for Paul and Jean. And uh, they were faithful for, for several years. If you remember, we used to have uh, some uh, range shooting days at their farm down there toward Archer. And we'd go shoot out there. And, uh, and then Paul got sick, and he had uh, uh, dementia of the frontal lobe of his brain, which didn't affect his memory as much, but it, it affected his behavior. It changed him. It changed his personality. And so for the last five months, he's been in a nursing home, and he passed away on Christmas Eve, and uh, I preached his funeral yesterday uh, at Milan Funeral Home. So just wanted to make you aware of that and, um, and, and just let you know to, to keep praying for them. And, you know, it just seems like at this time of year, people are going through crisis. Yesterday, I was getting ready to watch the LSU game, and all of a sudden, I started getting some notifications on my phone. A lot like some of you, I follow uh, a lot of the LSU Sports Network. I follow the Gator Sports Network, and I choose to get notifications on some of these things. And so, there was a notification that came up on my phone that uh, tragedy had taken place in, in the LSU family. And so the offensive coordinator for the LSU Tigers, uh, his daughter-in-law, who is also a reporter for the Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans, um, 31 years old, um, was involved in a plane crash yesterday morning as they flew out of Lafayette, Louisiana, to fly to Atlanta to go to the game. And uh, she was tragically killed along with uh, five other people. And then the story became... You know, is Coach Ensminger going to call the game? You know, and, um, and this morning I was able to read a lot more about that. His son, whose wife was killed, um, gave an interview. And these are real people who have real lives. And this is what I found out. So the son works for a chemical company um, there in Louisiana. And they have a company policy that on starting on December 22nd throughout the through the end of the year, no one can take off. It's all hands on deck for whatever they got to do. So here his father is the offensive coordinator for a team that's in the college playoffs. He can't even take off to go. He was going to drive his wife to Atlanta. But because he couldn't get off of work, um, they found a seat on a small plane with some media members and uh, some other people that were going to the game and leaving on Saturday morning. And so she got a seat on that plane. And it was a fateful decision because um, she died. 
Now, man, you stop and think. What, what, what would you do if you get news like that? Here you are, you're probably experiencing, let's just say, one of the most exciting times in your career. And you get a call that your daughter-in-law just got killed. A member of your family. What do you do? Well, as it turns out, Steve Ensminger's son, whose wife was killed, his blood pressure went up. He had a panic attack. They had to put him in the hospital. So by the time his dad called him, offensive coordinator of the LSU Tigers, he called him about two hours before kickoff. And he said, son, you're my only son. I love you with all my heart. I can't be there with you right now, but I will be. Lord willing, I'll get there. But we are Innsmingers. We are Christians. And we will make it through this. And we will depend on our God, and we are not going to give in to what has just happened to us. We will be there for each other, but this is not the end of us. We're strong because of the God we believe in. Now, I'm going to go do my job, and we're going to kick Oklahoma around. That's what he said. And then I'm going to come home, and we're going to stand together, and we're going to make it. Wow, right? Wow. I don't know if I could say that in the midst of that. So in preparing for today and thinking about what I would speak on today, I thought about it. Man, this would be a great time to talk about a crisis of faith. Because I'll tell you, probably in 2020, every one of us in this building will face a crisis of faith in one way or another. It may not be to the extent that the Insminger family is going through right now, and it may not be to the extent that maybe the Malfres family had to deal with right here, right at Christmas Eve. And it may be something different. It may be a financial crisis that you have to deal with that you didn't see coming. It might be a vocational situation. Your world may be turned upside down. You might get fired or you might get laid off or, or some, the, 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 the industry you're in for one reason or another might dry up. Who knows what's going to happen? You may go through a, a, a family crisis of some kind. Uh, maybe your spouse walks out on you. Maybe uh, your children walk away from their faith. Maybe they tell you that they are a homosexual. Or maybe they tell you that they're going into this, this thing called tr being a trans or whatever. Who knows what you might face and go through. And when that happens, it's a crisis, no doubt. And some would call it a crisis of faith. And what are you going to do? What am I going to do? How are we going to respond? And I believe this. If you and I don't settle that now in our lives, when the crisis time comes, we will be ill-prepared to deal with it. But if you settle it in your heart now, or if you have already in the past, 
that no matter what happens, I'm going to trust God. No matter how hard it is, no matter how much weeping we may go through, no matter how difficult and how gut-wrenching it is, I've determined that I'm going to live for my God. I'm going to trust Him. He's got a reason. He's got a purpose. And I may not ever understand it on this side, but I will trust Him. I'm never going to turn against Him, and I'm going to live for Him no matter what. If you can decide that now, I'm telling you, when the crisis happens, God will carry you through it, and He will give you what you need when you need it. So let's stand together and read Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. I don't even know if I'm going to give you the points that I had for this because I got some other things going on in my mind, but I'm going to share the scripture with you. It says here, therefore, and the therefore is there for a reason because of what happened in chapter 11 of Hebrews where he talks about all these people who by faith trusted God and some were named, some were we call the heroes of our faith. And then there are a lot in the end of chapter 11 that are not named. They're unnamed. They're people that we don't even know. The Bible says they were sown in two they, for their faith. They were murdered. They were beaten. They were persecuted. And still they did not receive the promise that God had promised them yet. And they, they still believed. That's why they're in what we call the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. So because of that, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Now, in some versions it says the author and the finisher of our faith. The pioneer, the author, and the perfecter, the finisher. He, he's going he's to finish what he has started in you and me. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. Lord, help us to deal with the reality that crisis does come and hardships do happen, and difficult times do come. But we are not subject to those things in, in a way that ruins us because we are tied to Jesus and we are more than conquerors through Him who gives us strength. Thank you that we can fix our eyes on Jesus and live for Him no matter what happens to us. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So let me define what a faith crisis is, okay? You may be seated. Let me define this. It says this, and this is a definition that I've come up with. A faith crisis happens when circumstances in your life create seemingly unsolvable problems which leads us to become weary spiritually and we lose heart or we lose faith. So a faith crisis happens when circumstances in our life create what seems to be an unsolvable problem. Or a gut punch that we'll never recover from. Which leads us to become weary spiritually. We get tired and we lose heart, as the Bible says here. Which means we begin to maybe not question our salvation, but we question our faith. We begin to wonder and we lose heart. That, that's, where, that's a crisis of faith. And what I want to deal with today for just a few moments is... 
How do we respond to that crisis when it happens to us? What do we do? I want to give you some things. I'm going to give them to you quick, and then I want to wrap it all up for you, okay? So it's kind of a different way I'm going to approach this. Okay, so number one, here's what happens. We fail to learn from the examples of others. This is how we get ourselves in a crisis of faith and how a crisis actually overwhelms us and overtakes us and begins to control us and ruins us is that we fail to learn from the examples of others. Y'all, we don't have to live this life in such a way that, that, that we feel like we're the only ones and the first ones to ever go through things. People throughout history have gone through far worse than you and I have gone through. And so Hebrews 11 tells us about all these people and all that they went through and the things they had to endure. And yet, they still remained faithful to God and they didn't give up and they didn't throw in their faith and they trusted God. Christ, but not only them. The Bible says we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We have people in our lives that have gone through some amazing things, and yet they have stayed faithful to God. We have people who have gone through some difficult things, and they've turned their back on God. I can remember a member of my own family one time, after the death of one of our loved ones, they were totally misbehaving, and I finally told them, and, and, and I know this may sound harsh, but I told them, I said, I, said I, I know you're devastated in your heart, but you cannot use the death of your loved one as an excuse for misbehavior. That doesn't cut it. It's not okay for me to do it. It's not okay for you to do it. Just because you're hurting doesn't mean that you have to go and live in sin. You don't have to. And so we fail to learn from others. Number two, we allow sin to hinder and entangle us. And that's what I was alluding to here just a moment ago. Here in verse 1, it says here, We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. So what happens is when we begin to hurt, we say, well, you know, gosh, I've, I've lived for God. I've done everything right. And look how bad my life is. And look what's happened to me. And look at so-and-so. They're having so much fun and they're enjoying their life. And they're not even living for God. So you know what? I'm going to do some bad things, make myself feel better. I'm going to give in to the flesh. And that kind of sin just so easily entangles us. And so I want to encourage you today. You and I have to be aware of that thing. When crisis comes our way, Satan's going to whisper in your ear, you can go drown your sorrows tonight, it's okay. You're hurting, it's okay. Whereas the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. The Bible says in Philippians that by everything, in everything, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, it doesn't say God will answer your prayer the way you asked it, but the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart, keep you from being entangled in sinful behavior. Number three, what happens when we go through a crisis of faith? We don't live our lives with an endurance mindset, rather we live it all for the moment we live it all for the moment it says here let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us perseverance and then it says that jesus endured the cross 
So we have to have an endurance mindset. we got to look at the big picture, not right away, not just this moment. I know right now we want satisfaction and we want the pain to go away, but we have to look way beyond just right now. What if what, if what we do to inoculate ourselves from the pain or to, to, to numb the pain, what if that does more damage to us in the long run than what the pain is doing to us right now? You have to look at the big picture what it can do to your testimony. Anybody can serve God when things are going well. So we have to live, we, we have to, and look, I'm not preaching this at you. I'm preaching and teaching this to you and me. I'm, 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 I'm saying I've got to live this too. We have to live our lives with an endurance mindset rather than live it all for the moment. Number four, I'm giving you these quick here. Number four, we look at our circumstances rather than at Christ. The Bible says to fix your eyes on Christ, but instead we look at our circumstances. Easy to do. Easy to look at our circumstances. Easy to see the storm. Storm's pretty serious, and you're in it, and the boat's rocking, and it's taking water, you know, taking in water, and, and, and it's hurting. It, your life is going through, you know, you're in and out of the hospital. I mean, I mean, we've got Emily here. I don't mean to point her out, but Emily, you know, is with child. She's pregnant, and she's in her second difficult pregnancy and she's been in and out of the hospital in and out of i mean it's 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 enough to drive you mad and drive you crazy and frustrate you and 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 discourage you and it's real what she's going through and and she's a real person she's not a machine just like all of us right when we go through difficult times but we've got to look at the big picture now emily don't throw anything at me easy for me to say but all that you went through last time was sure worth it to get little Harpy running around, huh? What a blessing. See, that's why women, I think, are just so amazing. And that's why men are just like, I, and don't get me wrong, I, I am one. I'm a man. I think we're pretty cool, too. But I'm just like, I ain't going through that. Mm-mm. Not me. We ain't having no kids. So, but we've got to look beyond our circumstances. I mean, you, you think about it, it's, it's like a mother. She knows she's going to, you know, some women just suffer for nine months, go through anguish and pain and, you know, vomiting. Me, I'd be, I, I, I would be sick one morning and I'd be like, nope. <laughs> but, no, it, it's, but. And, 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 and here's the thing. They're like, we'll never do this again. I never. And then after the baby's born a few months later, let's have another one. They're like, and you're looking at her, is she crazy? Does she know what she went through? But that's the spirit of a mom. And they can see far beyond just their current suffering and what they're going through. They, they know that they're giving birth to, to life. And, and there's, it's worth the struggle for what's going to come later. So we have to not just look at our circumstances, but we need to fix our eyes on Christ. Realize what He went through. Focus on Him. God, I don't like what I'm going through. It hurts. I don't know why. I don't know why this is happening to me. But you know what, God? I'm going to put my eyes on You. You're going to get me through it some kind of way. I'll tell you who's been a blessing to me recently. Uh, He doesn't know me personally. I've met him uh, three times. He spoke at college that I was at. But Dr. Tony Evans... He is the pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in, um, in uh, Dallas, Texas. And um, 
you know, he's, he's been on Christian radio for years and years and years. Uh, his wife has cancer, and they've done all that they can do for her. And he gives um, weekly blogs or weekly video blogs. And, and here he's trying to tell us, and you can tell he's hurting deeply. And yet he's encouraging us while he's talking about this. And I'm, 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 I got tears. I'm like, Pastor, your wife is dying, and you're hurting, and yet here you are trying to take what you're going through and you're trying to encourage us. And he talked about that. He goes, the only thing I can do is fix my eyes on Jesus and, and, and focus on him and know that the Bible says to live as Christ and to die as King. I mean, that's a man that's got his eyes on Christ. He doesn't, look, he, he's not feeling happy through all of this. But he's handling this crisis of faith that he's in doing it the right way, putting his eyes, fixing his eyes on Christ. Number five, we fail to comprehend that he went through worse, yet endured. We sometimes, I, when I say we, I don't know about you, but I know me. Sometimes I fail to comprehend. God, do you not understand what I'm going through? And when you think about what he went through, the Bible says that he went through more than any human did and survived, meaning the beating he took, the average man would have died a whole lot sooner. The Bible says in Isaiah, in a prophecy about him, that his visage, his face, his body was marred more than any man. He, you couldn't even tell who he was anymore because of the bruising and the bludgeoning and everything that he went through. And yet he endured. Probably worse than that was what he endured the night before in the Garden of Gethsemane. Where he was going through so much anguish as a man that he sweated great drops of blood out of his pores. So we fail to comprehend that he knows. He knows what it means to suffer. He knows what it's like. Let's fix our eyes on him because he endured and if he endured, he will be with us and help us endure. And the final thing here is this. What happens is this. We get spiritually tired and we want to give up. The last part of this passage in, chat, in verse 3 says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We get spiritually tired and we want to give up. Well, we need to fix our eyes on Him so that we don't give up. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a crisis and situation and you feel like you're at your rope's end? You feel like, you, you feel like you're hanging on and you're, you're slipping and it's, you're, you're getting ready to fall in the abyss. And you don't know how you're going to take another step. You don't know how you're going to make a decision. You don't know if you can even get up the next morning to keep going. You're hurting so bad because of what you're going through. And yet somehow as a Christian, you end up falling asleep that night. You wake up the next morning. You're still hurting, but you have strength that you didn't have the night before. We do get weary. We get tired, and we want to give up. But always remember, He never gives up on us. When we are faithless, the Bible says, He remains 
faithful. The Bible says that He never leaves you nor forsakes you. The Bible teaches us that that crying and mourning and anguish may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The Bible tells us that this too shall pass. It's not a sin to get spiritually tired. It's not wrong to get to a place where you feel like you can't go anymore. But what is wrong is when we don't put our eyes back on Him. And we allow the crisis to break us. Now, when I say break us, I'm not saying that crying out to God is being broken. There have been times that I have just been angry and frustrated with what was going on in my life, and I cried out to God, even yelled at Him one time. And then, after I got that out of my system, which I don't believe was right for me to do, but I did it, I felt like, oh, I'm broken. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond being fixed now. And technically, spiritually, I wasn't. I was actually where God wanted me. I was emptying out myself. I was getting all that, 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 that I'm in control out. And then I got to a point where I'm not in control. I don't have the answers. What am I going to do? Well, for the Christian, there's only one thing I know how to do. There's only one thing we can do. That's look at Jesus. Cast all of our care upon Him. Focus on Him. And He'll get us through it. I'm looking at some people in this building today. I know some of you have been through some serious crises. And I know I'm probably wrong for calling some of you out. I see three widows back there. Three. Right there. I know her husband was killed in an accident. We call it an accident, but it was an appointment. I know Miss Faye's husband was killed in an accident. A tree fell on him while he was doing some work at his house. Um, I'm not sure about the other, <laughs> but I think, did he have cancer? Yeah, so it's cancer. It came. Y'all have been through it. I can't say some things that I know about some of you right now. Some of you are going through some very difficult times, and it's private. I know that. And, um, and you've talked with me. And, but I'm, I'm here as your pastor, as your brother, as your friend to tell you. This will pass. God will give you w- what you need. It may not be what you want right now, but he'll be there for you. Right, ladies? He got you through it. He helped you. Kyle? Man, you spent a lot of time in the hospital, right? Yep, several times. The surgery that he had was supposed to improve his life. But boy, it gave him a major setback. (laughs) What does Kyle do? Does Kyle give up? 
I can't speak for Kyle, but I can tell you, as a human being, he probably wanted to. But every day he kept waking up. And God kept saying, Kyle, I'm not finished with you yet. Kyle calls me the other day or texts me. Did you call? No, he calls me. He calls me and he says, uh, he goes, hey, man, can I come over? I got something for you. And he had texted me the night before wanting to know if I was going to be home. And I said, yeah. I said, where are you at? And he said, well, I'm in Teal. I'll be there shortly. Here comes Kyle by himself driving his own car. And I'm thinking, man, don't turn in this part of the driveway. Turn over there because it's difficult to back out. That's not a problem for Kyle. He pulled in, and he and I had a little discussion. And I said, now, Kyle, be careful of that tree. It has a way of jumping, jumping into people. You'll have run into it. And I could see in him like, that ain't no problem for me, man. I got a backup camera. <laughs> Kyle just backs up and get, gets out and gets on going. And I, I watched him leave, and I was like, go ahead. You go ahead, Kyle. You just live your life. You don't let anything stop you, Right? And there are some of you going through some horrible things. Some of you have a wayward kid. Broken your heart. Only God knows the depth of your pain. But you're an example. You're an example of what to do when you go through a faith crisis. Even though you don't feel like it. And even though you would say, no, pastor, you just don't know. No, you're an example. You got up. You kept moving. You kept living. And yes, you may have, you may have disappointed yourself in the fact that you didn't trust God on a particular day, but the next day you did. You're growing. You're growing in and through the crisis of faith. So what are you and I going to do when the faith crisis hits? We just stay faithful. We just keep on going. And we keep on living for Him. And we do what Paul says. For me to live is Christ. And if the worst thing that can happen to me is that God takes me out of here, to die is gain. That's how I deal with a faith crisis. That's how the Bible teaches us to deal with it. Let's stand together, everybody, okay? Lord, thank you so much for your love for us. And thank you that you don't leave us alone. And that, yes, we live in a world that's sinful. And because we do, we're all going to go through it. The rain shines. I mean, the rain, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The sun shines on the just and the unjust. Just because we're Christians, Lord, you, you, don't, you don't promise us that we won't go through difficulty you do promise us that you'll never leave us nor forsake us so i don't know who this message was meant for today maybe it was just meant for me but whoever it, it's meant for god i pray that you would do your work the way you always do it so guys as we get ready for our time of dedication and invitation here at the end um maybe for you it's saying, God, all right, I'm positioning myself in such a way that when a faith crisis does come, with you, I'll be able to handle it. With you, I won't walk away from you. I'll stay focused on you. 
Remember, folks, God will give you what you need when you need it. He doesn't give you dying grace on an undying day. He will give you what you need when you need it. Trust me, trust Him more than me. Trust His Word. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.